Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything sports. I'm sports editor Dan Diodon, alongside our assistant sports editor, Will Kennedy. Uh, Will, we've got some, a lot of things to talk about with Hope, Hope basketball in the playoffs and uh, some rivalry basketball as we head into districts. And we'll preview the uh, girls' district basketball here coming up shortly. But uh, we'll get to some breaking news. Um, first, we've had uh, the MIAA has selected its uh all league basketball players and uh, mvps and defensive players of the year and for the women hopes kennedy schoonveld is the player of the year for the uh for the third time in a row and olivia voskel is the defensive player of the year for the fourth time in a row which is insane in itself um and then on the men's side evan thomas uh was voted MIAA MVP and also won the MIAA scoring title and rebounding title and rebounding title. Okay. From a guard, which is pretty impressive. And then Clayton Dykehouse joined him on the first team um, for the men. So, um, Will, you've watched Kennedy and Olivia for two years now. I mean, I've been, uh, I guess, blessed would be the word as a reporter to have covered them for like nine years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but you've really seen them close the last two years. What is it? Let's start with Kennedy. What is it that you've seen out of her that has that special quality or what this year have you seen even more from her? I would say, I mean, I don't necessarily know if I could see it even more than her from last year to this year. I mean, she was incredible in both seasons. Um, but I just think it's it's just crazy that, it, it says so much about uh, hope in the program as a whole. When Kennedy wins MIAA MVP three years in a row now, she's not mm. leading the MIAA in any individual category. She's no, like not even close. Top five of everything, but she's not leading it in anything. Um, right. And she's just, and it, it's kind of emblematic of the entire program where everybody's pretty good at everything, but Kennedy like takes it to the next level where she's like on the verge of, either great or elite at everything at this level. Um, and she's really good at, at finding the open, open person, making the extra pass. She can take it to the lane if she needs to, she can hit threes if she needs to. I mean, she's like second or third on the team in three point percentage. She has like over 50%, uh, uh, goal percentage overall. Um, I think, okay, I'm sorry. She's 49.7. So not over 50, <laughs> darn close. Um, three points after tonight, maybe three point percentage over 40, um, free throw percentage over 90. Um, defensively, she's second on the team in blocks, a distant second, mind you. She has 12, whereas Olivia Vosco, the defensive player of the year, has 53. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, she's just she's just absurd. Uh, you know, 38 steals. She can, she, she's she's not just an offensive player, she's an all around player. And ar- arguably if Olivia Voskel didn't exist, she might win offensive and defensive player of the year. Cause she's just that good. Right. For sure. And it's, it's interesting with hope's tradition. It, it took them winning the national championship in 2006 to kind of open the eyes of the country and the voters about things because hope had really never had any all Americans outside of like when they won the title in 1990, mm-hmm. um, but because they, as you know from covering them, they'll have most games where the scoring is 12, 11, 10, 9, 9, 8, 7. When, when, someone, when someone has a game that they score over 15 points, that's an anomaly. Right. Because they spread it out so well. They balance so well. They have their bench plays nearly as much as the starters. 
and they're focused on defense first. So, uh, but it, after they won the title in 2006, uh, the next year, uh, one of the next two years when they were still quite good and made the elite eight, um, they had a all American, they had an all American Jordan Bowles who was like their first all American in quite some time. And I think she only averaged like 11 points a game, but it finally, their hopes game finally was like revealed to the nation in that run to the, to the championship. Um, and then that's, you know, kept going. I mean, obviously they've had players of the year before they've had the national player of the year, Carrie Snickers, uh, 2010, who was, uh, quite good. And she averaged, you know, in, if not 20, really close to 20, maybe more than 20. Um, but she was a, uh, a little bit more of an anomaly. She was, a. um, I don't know. She could do everything from the center position. Uh, yeah. She was she was a center that would bury threes, and um, yeah, you know, definitely won, was a D one athlete. When Vosk breaks or when Vosk broke this blocks record this year, it was it was her record that she blocked. And when Kennedy's moving up and up the all time point scoring leaders, she's chasing her. Um, so like just right. to be able to do both of those things so well is is pretty absurd. Obviously, I never got to watch it, but just. Hearing right. about it and seeing those numbers from someone who can do both of those things all that well is like, like obviously Kennedy and Olivia both do them to an elite level individually, but having all those blocks and all those points is just like as in one player is absurd. Right. And she was a center. She was talented enough to play point guard, but she was yeah. the center. Um, so it was that, that was something she was something special to watch, but they've had other all Americans since that also, you know, were in the traditional hope realm of scoring 12 points a game whatever 14 maybe and Olivia were last year right I mean they were both first team all-american they last probably year probably will be again this year yeah exactly so it's it's uh it's it's cool that that's been seen um that and understood now about the hope program so it doesn't hold against hope's best player if they you know aren't scoring 22 points a game or something yeah. like that. So um, it's kind of, I know it's like a small D three school and everything, but it's a little shocking to me that hope isn't more widely known on like a national scale. Like not to say they're like the whitewater or anything, um, but like just in terms of athletics as a whole coming here. And I sort of didn't know anything about hope. I had never heard of them, even though the women were, you know, one of the best teams in the country and everything. And they're on their way to start that big streak, but just like looking up and down all the sports here at hope, it's like, the worst team, the worst team like on campus is still a slightly above average team for like the rest of the country or the conference. Right. Right. Like insane. Right. They don't have too many teams in anything that are bad for more than a year at a time. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's definitely an elite D three institution overall when you're talking about sports, but it's, I think part of it is they hadn't, I mean, they won that championship in 1990, but they didn't have anything win a championship until 2006. Yeah. Um, and then now vo volleyball has followed. They have won a championship, but the men have been in the final four a couple times. Uh, you know, the women had been, um, but they didn't have anything else as far as hardware goes. And it's just, it's just different in division three. When you're thinking about all the East coast programs in division three, yeah. Um, that have that history, Amherst and, you know, Williams and Tufts and stuff like that. It's just a little bit. And then even, you know, uh, you have programs that have dynasties and specific things like Kenyon and uh, that's in Ohio and Emory that's in Atlanta are like 
have won like combined like 90% of all the D3 swimming national championships ever. Like, yeah, like it's so it's, I mean, and I think, and Denison in Ohio has been really close and they're good in a lot of things. DePaul yeah, Indiana is one of those things, but it's still and Calvin, obviously too. Uh, they got, they're very much, but they're seen more as, even though they've had some great basketball runs and stuff, they're seen as a volleyball school because they've won three volleyball titles in the yeah. last 12 years or whatever. So um I think that people understand the rivalry, Hope Calvin. And I think, but I think that out there's, and there's plenty of following from alumni from both of those institutions, but it doesn't have, um, I mean, the ESPN announcing it as it's number four basketball rivalry in like 2005 or whatever that was. um, That helped a lot with notoriety, but people link the two together. And I think that outside of the alumni, people don't realize really how great both institutions are at a lot of stuff. Yeah. I had uh, never heard of, I had, I heard of Calvin cause one of my buddies from high school played baseball there for a year, oddly enough. Um, but never heard of hope before in my life until I moved here. Right. And that's, I mean, and I grew up in Ann Arbor and I had only heard of hope as like, you know, cause a couple of people from my high school ended up going there and yeah. then it just started to, learn more about it and hear more about it. I didn't really hear same thing with Calvin. I didn't know anything, you know, of course, you know, when you live in Ann Arbor and you can hear the marching band from your house, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to think anything outside of D1 (laughs) just, just in general when you're growing up because you're so used to being nearly on campus at Michigan. And then you've got, you know, obviously Michigan state and Eastern Western central and that kind of stuff. Um, But it's, it's, I didn't know Grand. I mean, I had no idea what Grand Valley was either. And then now they've completely changed. I mean, they weren't great when I was when I was of age to start thinking about that. That wasn't Grand Valley wasn't the national thing like it is now. Um, Even in Florida, I had heard of Grand Valley. Yeah, but they once I once I started working here is when Brian Kelly started that you know elite run with football that made them this you know D two national power, and then they. Also won the national championship the same year. Hope women won the Grand Valley women won at D two. Yeah. Uh, so you had both programs, and Michigan State was in the final four for the women in D one that year. It was almost a all Michigan sweep, uh, which would have been pretty awesome. But then Grand Valley also won the volleyball national championship that year, also, um, and they've you know been in the World Series for baseball and softball, and you know they they do a lot of things. They've been a top five swimming team at times and obviously they win cross country and track all a lot so um and soccer when they win soccer every year <laughs> it seems like so um but i think i think it it's gonna for hope to really get that it's gonna take another title and i don't know if it's gonna take another time i mean i think this stretch has really helped where they're starting to be seen by like espn and sports illustrated and the athletic and when they had their streak uh, I think a title will validate that. And I think that will be something that people remember. Um, but very, very interesting, very interesting how that goes. Um, yeah. But uh, so let's talk about Olivia a little bit. She's been the defensive player of the year every year. Um, yeah. Except her freshman, her like regular freshman year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've watched her play a ton and I even, like last year, I thought was well, it couldn't be beat for her, but I think she's more savvy this year. I feel like she's seeing seeing block shots before they happen more. 
Yeah, I mean, she's it's just not just a reaction. I feel like she's tactical. He's and she's. I feel. I feel like she's. If somebody's in the paint, there's a zero percent chance they're going to score against her because she just takes up. Not only is she a big body, which she is. She's like six three, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But she's three, yeah. so quick on her feet. She's like able to read where the ball is going to go before it's there. She knows where it's headed. Um, she can get right in somebody's face at the perimeter if she needs to, and have someone co- cover behind her with that help side defense. And like, just like, just the stats are off the charts. Like, the second leading rebounder on the team is Savannah Fincher with 115. Olivia has almost 150. Yeah. The leading, uh, she has almost 70 steals, 53 blocks, which is, you know, Kennedy is second with 12, and she has 53 blocks. Um, right. You know, won the all time leading blocks record at hope this year um i I mean if she she, offensively she's a great player too and honestly for my money um i've said this to you i I think you know kennedy and olivia either one of them could have won uh miwa offensive or just player of the year and i wouldn't be shocked because she's just as good on offense as she is on defense um if not better sometimes um yeah that's really elevated the last couple years for her yeah she's like uh her three-point shooting hasn't been there like it was last year this year, but but everything else, I mean, she misses a layup from time to time, but for the most part, she's like just money with the ball in her hands. And, and again, just like Kennedy, can make that extra pass, uh, can take on defenders. Not the greatest outside shooter this year, has been in past years, but this year it's been a little cold, but still, um, she's just, everything is, is fantastic. And like I said, you flip it, go, uh, you know, Olivia offensive player of the year, Kennedy defensive player of the year, wouldn't be shocked by that. I mean, it would be yeah, a little weird considering the stats that Olivia has, but – um, right. But either way, they're both stellar at everything they do on the court, and they both make that team so much better than it already is, which is already absurdly good. Right, for sure. And you think about the the tradition of defense like we've been talking, like Olivia's by far the best defender that Hope's ever had, and yeah. Coach Morehouse has said that on numerous occasions. But she just broke the blocks record this year, right? Like very early in the year, yes. Right. So, I mean, obviously she would have had that if they had had a full season last year, but it also should go to show just how tremendous of defenders Carrie Snickers was before her to have that black record. And before her, it was Lindsay Lang who did it in three years because her first year she was on the JV team because her first year was the year before their national championship in 2006 and their team was so loaded. Yeah, that she was on the JV team, and then she came off the bench, um, you know, in that second unit on the championship team, and then became the starting center after yeah, that. But it was it was three years three years of block. She was fantastic, uh, yeah, Lindsay Lang, and then uh, you know Snickers obviously too. Uh, but Lin- Lindsay Lang was quite a defender, and she was something to watch in the post, especially because she happened to be there at the time that Calvin had it's like national player of the year finalist who was a post player. So she neutralized the best player in, in the one of the best players in the country yeah. in the rivalry matchups. And then Snickers, when Snickers was there, she also played when uh, Calvin had Carissa Verkike, who was from Holland Christian, who was the MIAA MVP all four, I think of her years and was the national player of the year. Also, before Snickers was the national player of the year after that. So they matched up in the post, too, with arguably, the, I would say, 
not arguably, I would say those were, they matched up in the post at the same time. And they're the two best players in the history of both programs, which is amazing. Uh, It's like a bird magic kind of situation um, that happened. They just happened to be at the exact same time or, or, I mean, not, it wasn't four and four. I think they overlapped for like three of the years or something like that, but it's still incredible that with two story programs that they had that at the same time, which is pretty incredible. So, uh, but that's, and then they've had hopes had other guards win defensive player of the year as well. Um, Liz Ellis was the defensive player of the year three times in 2011, 12 and 13. Um, and Megan Kelly was the defensive player of the year in 2014. So they've had other, and those two were guards. Those were the on ball defenders. Um, pretty sure Julie Henderson was a defensive player of the year, uh, at some point too, but, uh, um, oh, Autumn Anderson also in 2016. So it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, that's the thing about them. Their, their defense comes from on the ball, in the post, in the, on the wings everywhere. Um, it's just really, it's really impressive to see. So, um, congratulations to them. Also Evan Thomas, as we mentioned, a guard who led the MIAA in scoring and rebounding. Yeah, uh, who I also made men's games, but he can get up there when he he can get up into the air real tall, a real yeah, hot. He's he's, he's got some springs for sure, and he uses them. And his his instincts are great. But he like like Olivia with her blocking this year. You could tell his rebounding sense was instincts, but also more as more tactical, mm-hmm. where you could see him kind of reading the situations better and quicker. Yeah, and getting to and getting to rebounds, and that's you know extra possessions, you know, for, especially on offensive rebounds, you know, for your team. And uh, I can't remember there ever being a guard who led the MIAA in rebounding. Yeah. So that's uh, pretty unique. And he's led them into this great season where, you know, we weren't sure how they were going to be. We were, we knew that their hope men's team would be good, but between hope, Calvin, Albion and trying, we weren't exactly sure. I mean, I wouldn't have, I'll be honest. I wouldn't have picked them to win. Yeah, I mean they were picked. And no, and they didn't. They picked trying to win. All the coaches did. They were picking the, the the actual coaches of the league pitch yeah. picked trying to win. And I probably would have picked Albion to finish second, and then hope to finish third. Yeah. And they're you know they won the regular season, and they're two wins away in the tournament now from winning the the tournament, and uh, you know and clinching the uh, spot in the big dance. So it's uh. You know, so what Evan Thomas did it was not just obviously he did points rebound. You know, he was he was a great player, but he's been able to kind of put them on his back a little bit, and he's also you know been able to kind of lead this new confidence for this group. Um, and and obviously, it doesn't hurt when you make free. He went six games without missing a free throw earlier in the year, like, yeah. and he was shooting 10 free throws a game, not like two. Um, so that's, uh, you know, pretty, pretty cool for him. And that's, uh, you know, fitting of how their season went and, uh, and, you know, um, and, and the player that he's developed into, and he's a junior. So he's got, I mean, he'll barring some freshman phenom. He's definitely the, uh, would be the front runner for that, you know, winning it again next year. I don't see anybody, I mean, a lot of times that the vote goes to basically who the best player is on the best team. So it doesn't always go to the best player. 
Um, there was a little bit of argument about that when Carrie Snickers only won it once or twice, but Carissa Verkike won it all four years, but Calvin had won all those times. Um, and yeah, so just, but was she actually better than Snickers? We've had that, you know, come into play before. I think Maura McAfee for Hope, she was the player. She was the player of the year uh, in, she was the player of the year in 2014 for Hope when they won the MIAA the next year. They didn't win the MIAA, and she wasn't the player of the year. And then the next year, they won it again, and then she was the player of the year again, which is really – I mean, she was clearly the best player all three years, if you ask me. Um, but it's just really interesting, you know, sometimes the way the voting goes. So um, I think but, the bigger thing of that whole uh, – I mean, not really to do with Evan Thomas, but the biggest thing with the, with the men's team this year is that the, the three seniors, if they didn't win the MIAA title this year, that would have been the first group of – that would have been the first senior class since, like, 1980 that didn't win a, a title at some point. At least year. one, yeah. Um, which is yeah. crazy. And they obviously got it done um, last week, and then they won the outright on Saturday on senior day, which is kind of fitting. Um, but for yeah, sure. and so, so good for them for being able to, you know, they, they finished uh, freshman year, third, sophomore year, sixth, last year, fourth, I believe. Um, right. And now they're first. So it's, it's good that they finally got right. it. As uh, coach Greg Mitchell said, he's like, yeah, I think it would have been the first time a graduating class didn't get a, a, a title since the invention of the wheel at Hope. Right. <laughs> so, so it's right. been quite a while. I was going back in the record books to confirm the year. And I was just like, no, this this has got to be wrong. This is got, and it's like there's no way. But yeah, every right. Day. It's true, and it's just kind of like until a couple of years ago, uh, at Michigan State, Izzo had a Final Four for every four year class for like a twenty year period, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is insane. Also, um, so it's just just kind of funny how that works sometimes. But it also went through Hope and Calvin. Uh, the title did this year for the first time in like four years. Mm-hmm. The last three years, neither one of those teams won the title. And it, and the year before when Hope shared the the f- four years ago, it didn't go through Calvin either. So it's uh, it's cool to see that rivalry bring back. I mean, they, before that, it went 11 years where it went through those two teams. Yeah. One, one, it, one or the other of them won. And almost every time, if not every time, the other one was second. So um, maybe this is a little bit of a revive in the elevation of the rivalry too, which is kind of cool. So, uh, but yeah, so, all right. So now we'll shift gears a little bit here. Will you covered Zealand East West last night, doubleheader. Um, we'll start with the boys game. Then we'll talk about the girls and we'll kind of, kind of weave that into a talk about uh, a little bit of preview talk about the girls districts, which start on Monday. So um, the boys game, the Zealand West boys beat Zealand East got a little payback for the earlier loss. Yeah. Um, so the rivals split throughout the year. Just uh, um, what, did, what did you see from the boys game? Yeah, I mean, it was very different from the first game between the two. I mean, the first game that you went to, it was like a three-point shooting contest. I think there was like 20-something threes between the two teams in that game. Um, this was not the case. It was a much more lower-scoring game. Um, final score was 47-41 um, in favor of the Ducks, obviously. Um, what it really came down to, like obviously a lot of people in, in the story of a game are going to forget um, the first half, especially in a close game like that. What it really came down to is Zealand West held the held uh, East to four points in the second quarter. Um, they outscored them twelve to four that quarter, and you know that's you know what an eight point difference. Um, so that's that's the difference in the game. And then another point um, about halfway through the third quarter, um, there was a play it was tied at twenty six, and Kyle Arnold, Kylan Arnold went up, got a rebound, drew contact, got a foul, uh, missed the free throw. Merritt Alderink, uh 
got the board off the offensive board, kicked it out and they hit a three pointer. So it was a five point possession. And from that point on, they outscored uh, Zealand East 10 to two for the rest of that quarter. And then at that point, the fourth quarter was, I don't want to say it was a formality because East was still in it to some extent, but uh, they were sort of demoralized after that moment. So those were the two, two real key moments in the game was that second quarter defense really stifling them and, and, and making shots tough. Connor Shipper for East got the only points that whole quarter for them. Um, he led the team with 14 points and led all scorers actually for 14 points. Um, but yeah, outside of Shipper for that first half, nobody from East was really doing anything. They turned it on a bit in the second half, but that one play in the third quarter just sort of demoralized them and took them out. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, on the girls' games, it was a little closer than it was the first time around, uh, but Zealand West also beat Zealand East. Um, Zealand East is interesting that they, I mean, they lost what their first like 15 games. Yeah. Or something like that, and then they won two in a row, and they've been playing a lot better, even in a couple of losses uh, since then. So, um, what did you see from the girls? And just it, it seems like at least even with the loss, that Zealand East is playing its best heading into districts. Yeah, they certainly are playing their best. I mean, Zealand West is a team that when they played about three weeks ago, um, West beat them by thirty-three points. Uh, Last night, it was a one-point game at halftime, and Zealand East even led for, I would say, half the first half, maybe even the majority of the first half, um, and, and definitely the majority of the first quarter they led. Um, but, yeah, it was it was really close in the first half. Um, not the biggest offensive explosion from either team in the first half. Um, a lot of just good defense or, 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 or poor shot placement um, by whoever was on offense. Uh, Maddie Schur obviously popped off because she always pops off. She's an incredible player. Um, for Zealand East, uh, but on, in the second half, East or West really made a conscious effort to take away Maddie Schur and, and really um, their biggest thing was getting more communicative on screens and, and, and making sure they shifted the right defender to be on Maddie. So she scored, I think, 14 points in the first half. And then once they really buckled down, she only was able to score seven in the second half. Um, and those seven points, I think, were the entire seven points East scored the entire second half. So Maddie, Maddie right. scored all their points in that second half. Um, and that, and then obviously one of their second best player, probably Rachel Miller jr. She went down with an injury. Um, hopefully it's nothing serious, but, but it was something with her, her lower body. We know that much. Um, didn't get an update from, from coach Rick Scher after the game. He said he still didn't know, but he was, he was hopeful that it wouldn't be too bad. Um, but yeah, East as a whole has been playing significantly better, even though the results haven't necessarily shown it outside of those two wins. They've been playing significantly better since the first time they played West, which was about a month ago. They've been getting better and better. And they're playing more cohesive as a unit. Like not everybody's just like, oh, here, give the ball to Maddie. She'll do everything. Like they're all like getting open and, and trying to find shots and playing really good defense for the most part. Um, West is just too big, too fast, and, and has a little bit too much experience for them to have, uh, to, you know, handle it last night at least. For sure. For sure. And uh, that leads us into district talk with, uh, you know, obviously both teams, Riding a little bit of a little bit of momentum for Zealand East, not you know as much as they had hoped, obviously. But uh, this is a team that you know they're playing Holland at Holland in the first round, and Holland is one of the surprise teams, obviously, of this year, where they um, you're going to end with a winning record for the first time since 2001. Yeah. And uh, they, I don't think they've won a district game since then either. Uh, but they play Zealand East. They've beat Zealand East twice. Zealand East, the first matchup they played. Zealand East was leading 
really quickly by eight or 10 points. And then Holland just kind of whittled away and uh, defended and uh, didn't let Maddie get any open shots. Um, But it's, it's a kind of an intriguing matchup, you know, having a third, third game against each other where, you know, Maddie has had a couple of really uh, probably a handful of really big games uh, in the last, you know, six games, she's probably had four huge games. Yeah. And so that could be an interesting factor. I mean, I think that they can't – I don't think Zealand East beats Holland unless she can find a way to have a big game scoring-wise. Um, I think is, is going to be a, a tough task because Holland, yeah, they've been resurgent this year for sure. They have 11 wins. Um, and, and the way they've done that, they have a timely offense, I would say, with Ellie Zomer and a few other um, uh, key players like Julia Kaur and a, a few other girls. Um, but – they're really good on defense. Like that's, that's what makes them tick. And they're really good on defense. They beat, they beat Zealand East by 20 plus points in both meetings this year. Um, and, and Maddie sure had some of their better, her better games of the season. And, and one of them, at least I know she, she got it to a hot start in one of them, you said, and then Holland was, uh, it's not like she just went cold. Holland made a conscious effort to shut her down. Um, right. She so, got like two, she got two open shots in the second half. Exactly. That's it. And, and that defense is so good. Especially if, if hopefully, you know, Rachel Miller is able to come back, but if, if the injury is slightly more serious than, than uh, how it seemed last night, um, if she's not back, then Zealand East is going to have a long, long night because that she's that player that Maddie's the outside shooter, but Rachel's the girl who can go in and, and drive to the hoop and, and, and really draw defenders in. So you can kick out to Maddie and she'll have an open shot. So, so without Rachel, I mean, you could even see in the second half once she got injured last night, the offense became slightly less dynamic. Um, so if she's not able to come back, that will be a tough loss for, for Zealand East. For sure, for sure, and then the rest of the matchups on Monday, Zealand West plays at uh, plays against Granville, which is really an interesting uh, matchup because they're both um, you know pr- decently even teams at least on paper. Um, so that could be a really interesting game. Jenison is playing at West Ottawa, and West Ottawa won easily one game against Jenison and lost the other game against Jenison. So. Yeah. Um, that will be an interesting rubber match there with everything on the line. Um, Allegan will play at Hamilton in the uh, Division Two uh, matchup, and Hamilton should be favored on paper in that. And Holland Christian has a bye, and if Hamilton wins, they could it could set up a chance with those rivals uh, meeting in the final yeah. uh, if everything goes their way. Um, Fenville's hosting Covenant Christian, which uh, will in all likelihood be an early exit for Fenville. Uh, they have not had a great year. Uh, Black River's playing Potter's House. I mean, I really don't know enough about Potter's House. I would guess just based on records, they probably have, um, Better you know, be the fav- favorite on paper. But the winner of that game plays Saugatuck on Wednesday. And then um, uh, that should have. Pretty much that should be everybody covered. Um, the the as far as the local teams go, uh, the the Division One district is awesome because there's so many local teams in it. Zealand East plays Holland, Zealand West is in it, West Ottawa's in it. They could all play each other, but they're also all in the same district as Number One Hudsonville. So it's yeah. uh, that's uh, I don't see anybody getting out of that. I mean, we I said the same thing last year, and West Ottawa played its best game ever and even led Hudsonville in, with about a minute and a half to go. Um, before losing and then Hudsonville went on to the finals Um, so that it will take it will take an effort like that uh, for a local team to get out of that 
if district, I, it, it would be West Ottawa, but West Ottawa would need to revert back to how they played for the first half of the season, as opposed to how they're right. playing right now. Right. And they're, I mean, they're playing Jenison, which is a team they won't overlook since, especially since the last time they lost to them. Um, but they, they can, they can beat anybody in that, in that bracket. It just, yeah. it has to be a day, but they can. Right. Right. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens because I think so Holland Christian and Hamilton could be in one uh Holland Christian will play Hopkins in the second uh, I think in the semifinals and then uh Hamilton uh versus you know Hamilton and Allegan uh will be in the other semifinal and we'll just kind of see what happens there Sagatuck will play the winner of Potter's House in Black River and Sagatuck's the second seed in the district with the seeds now so They'd be favored to win that game, but then in the final they'd be, uh, you know, the underdog on uh, Friday. So it's just we could have. I mean, if West Ottawa plays their best against Hudsonville, we could have three district champions on the girls' side. But there's also a very realistic chance that we have zero. Yeah. Sure. Um, so. It, which is exciting. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, that's exciting. That's what basketball is all about. You know, well, and that's what sports are all about at least one in terms of the, the Holland Christian Hamilton. Uh, yeah. There's a, there's a good likelihood there. That at likelihood least that, I mean, you'll, you might have, they might both be in the final, which would guarantee that one of them wins, but there's a good, there's, I would say there's a good chance at least one of them's in a final, if not both. So, yeah. um, and then Sagatuck will probably be in the final. And if they have their best day, who knows? Yeah. Um, but it's just, uh, it's just a very interesting interesting bracket situation and the boys will be completely different because it'll be seated different and uh, the matchups will all be different, but that'll be the following week. And we'll discuss that next week, but it'll be really interesting to see though. Um, We'll have conference swim meets this weekend too. We can discuss those next week. Uh, The last thing kind of heading in the state meet. And then uh, we've got a lot of wrestlers heading to the state meet, which will also be, which will be next week. Um, I think we have 12 total. Is that right? Five. Um, 14, nine, 14 boys, total, nine boys, five girls. Okay. Very exciting. We'll have more coverage about the female athletes who have made it to the girls wrestling state finals this is the first year that the MHSA MHSAA has had specific girls wrestling as its own sport. Um, there's been girls wrestle at the state meet before, but it's been basically the boys wrestling state meet. So, um, very, very historic, uh, tournament coming up next week very exciting uh just to see you know just to see the it'll be big for all of the i mean they've been the girls have been wrestling this year some some teams have some schools have girls teams some teams have just a couple of girls wrestling but for to have five wrestlers from the area see a whole tournament at ford field full of elite female wrestlers all in one place is going to be huge and that's going to get everybody excited about the sport and i think that that's going to help um, you know, kind of help that grow over the next few years. So, yeah. yeah. And, um, and the girls, four of them are from West Ottawa. It's uh, Isabel Anya, Caitlin Heck, Abby Vanderswag, and, and Lee Silva. And then one from, from Holland High. Uh, it's a uh, Cadence Vesper. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Cadence. Yep. Um, yeah. So congratulations to all of them. Congratulations to all 14 of them, but the uh, big congratulations to them for, you know, doing something this um historic I, I should say not necessarily historic that they've done it but historic that they're a part of the first group of people it's very cool they will always be part of the first group of the yeah, state meet cool. which is uh very exciting so um so we'll have a lot to talk about and then obviously miaa semifinals and finals are this weekend so we'll break all that stuff down next week too 
Um, so stay tuned for more postseason uh, podcast talk with us next week. Uh, but for now, go out and watch some games while you still can. The playoffs are here. We got hope. Um, we got hope. Uh, the the hope is lifting the mask mandate for the semifinals and the finals uh, for the boys game and the girls games, uh, the men's and women's, excuse me, games. And I believe concessions, uh, according to my sources, concessions will be back open on Friday and Saturday as well. So, um, you know, that's a, a big positive sign, uh, you know, and hopefully we'll see a few more uh, people in the stands uh, for that. And uh, but yeah, get out and see them get out and see some girls basketball on Monday. There's I mean, great matchups all over the place. And, uh, you know, season is on the line now and the games will all be good and a lot of them will be even uh so they'll be very very entertaining uh it's been a great good year for girls basketball in the area and uh hopefully that continues you know as we go into the playoffs here but uh also remember every week vote for uh the high school athlete of the week um it's sunday night through wednesday at noon is when the the polls are open uh Somebody finally beat a Holland player. Yeah, who knew? I mean, like, there's there's all kinds of there's all kinds of things going on. So, I mean, we got a Sagatuck player this time, right? Kennedy Gustafson. Yeah. yeah, previous three weeks it had been not necessarily a Holland basketball player, but a Holland athlete, someone from Holland High School. But this week, Kennedy Gustafson. Um, I think Gustafson. I'm not. Actually, I would say Gustafson, but I actually haven't heard them actually say it out loud. So yeah, it'd be so Gustafson, anyway, freshman Kennedy, post player from Sagatuck. Uh, had a big game against Fenville, scored 19 points, um, and you know helped them helped lead them to a never forgotten game victory over over Fenville, their big rival. Um, and she absolutely dominated in the poll. She got over 20,000 votes and over 75 percent of the total vote, um, which is a pretty substantial number. Um, right, so and and cool. and for gir- girls basketball in the area, it's kind of a for capping the regular season of you know basically almost the regular season of votes here. Very fitting that it's going to a freshman. I mean, she's a freshman that's making a huge impact at Sagatuck. Jordan Colossin is a freshman at Zeeland West, making a huge impact in starting for Zeeland West. Cam Vandenbosch at Holland Christian. Yep, Cameron Vandenbosch at Holland Christian is a freshman starter for them and doing really well. And Caitlin Goering for Hamilton is a freshman starter. And uh, she's been putting up, I think she's put up like 18 points the last three games. So it's uh, it's very exciting. And they'll be playing each other. Uh, Holland Christian Hamilton will be playing each other later in the week that Will will be covering, and we'll break that down also for you next week, uh, kind of the big finale for uh, girls' basketball for the regular season. Uh, they, the two teams played into overtime the last time uh, with uh, Holland Christian edging Hamilton in overtime. Every overtime point was a free throw in that game. So uh, we'll see how close it is at the Civic Center this week, uh, but we'll have full coverage of that at hollandcentral.com. So uh, for Will, I'm Dan, and uh, go out and watch some basketball.